Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. Why don't we stand all across the building and lift up our hands and let's worship him. Come on, let's magnify him on this Sunday afternoon. Jesus, we're so thankful to be in your house, to be in your presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise. Somebody glorify him. Jesus, we love you, God. We love you, God. We love you, God. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. We're going to turn to a few portions of Scripture here today. Uh, the first one we're going to turn to is Deuteronomy 6.4, and then I'll let you be seated after that. Amen. It's good to see everybody on a Sunday afternoon. This should be a very familiar portion of Scripture. If it's not, I hope it will be before we're done with our... Uh, our introduction to doctrine. Uh, we're probably going to stay on this subject for a little while, so you might as well just kick back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy 6.4. I uh, thank you, Brother Reyes, for giving us a great introduction to uh, the oneness of God. We're going to continue on this. I've been excited about it the entire week. Amen. The Bible says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Amen. Shake your neighbor's hand tell them, God bless you. You may be seated. Now, Brother Johnson, if you could pull up 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verses 4 through 5. All right. The Bible said, Who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. James 2 and 19. Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Now I was half tempted to title this the doctrine of devils, but I decided against it. Maybe another time we'll preach about that. Uh, people might take that in the wrong context. But I want to talk and teach for a few minutes on this subject. What we mean when we say God is one. What we mean when we say God is one. And I want to really talk about what we really mean because uh, we're going to get into that here in a minute. I remember when I was 15 years old, high schooler, just barely in church. I've uh, been in church probably about a year and a half. And uh, I was the only apostolic young person in my high school. And so we had a, our high school was not huge, but uh, probably about probably about 1,500, 1,000 to 1,500 might be big for some. And I had a zeal for the things of God. And I hope I haven't lost that. Hallelujah. Um, for those that think you have to be 40 years old to love God. I think that's a lie. Um, you don't even have to be in church very long to love God and to really have a zeal for the things of God. But I was, I was 15 years old, and I really wanted to do something in my generation. I didn't want to wait until, uh, you know, if you wait for a pulpit, you'll never get one. But if you go find a soul, you'll find a pulpit. So, um, but I, I remember 
just looking. I want to. I'd, I'd listen to uh, uh, preaching about soul winning every day on my way to school. Because as a teenager, it's real easy to get intimidated about what you believe. I mean, let's be real. There's a lot of peer pressures on you uh, to live up to a certain ideology, to look a certain way, to dress a certain way, to fit into a certain group. When you're younger, you want to fit in, but the older you get, the more you actually don't want to fit in. I, you know, you when you're younger, you want to wear the name brand everything and have your little logo to identify yourself with everybody else. And then the older you get, the more you realize I actually don't want to be like everybody else because everybody else has gone and lost their minds. Um, I tell my wife, you know, I have a few things that have a logo on there. I say, just please, I don't like that. No, I don't want to advertise for free. They better pay me. But, but in in high school, it's a real deal trying to be. Uh, trying to step out and to stand out, and uh, and I, I was just like, well, I'm not going to win anybody if I fit in with everybody. I'm not going to make a difference if I just uh, fall into mediocrity. And so I listen about soul winning every day, and and I I got to my school, I created and printed up some flyers, and I started. I asked some teachers, you know, they they have to let you do this in their classrooms. Uh, I asked if I could use their classroom during lunch to teach Bible studies. So I, I got a Bible study going uh, through through my high school, and at first I had a lot of a lot of people that were interested because everybody's everybody's a Christian at first uh, until you actually start talking about the Bible. Uh, everybody everybody believes until you start actually pulling out the Word and telling them what it says, and then it's a different story. And so I started teaching Bible studies and I started talking, and and our group was growing. We were having a great time, and I thought, man, this is awesome. Everybody's just they're they're nodding their head, agreeing, agreeing, agreeing. And then one day I realized they're not getting what I'm really saying. There is a misunderstanding here because I'm talking about one God, and I know you're Baptist. I know you're non-denominational. I know what your church teaches. You believe in the Trinity, and that's not in the Bible. So you know what I did? I came right out and just said it. There is no such thing as a Trinity. And immediately, my large group went down to about two or three. They just, a lot of them just wrote me off like, okay, this guy done lost his mind. And so I started talking about it. I said, no, we're going to really talk about this. We're going to really get down to the nitty-gritty. We're going to talk about what the Bible says about God and God's, uh, God's identity and what God reveals about himself. And, uh, and it ended up where it just came down to myself and one Baptist pre- uh, preacher's kid. And, uh, and so, as a young person, I'm not dumb. I, I met in the cafeteria because it was a girl, and I wasn't about to let my good be spoken evil of. So I met where there was a bunch of people. I was hoping more people would listen in because uh, I lost my crowd. I was just down to one. And so we started talking about that, the fact that God is one. She'd come back and say, no, there's, there's, there's a trinity. And it's Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. They're all separate. And I said, no, there's not. There's one God, and he reveals himself. He manifests himself. And we go through it, and she would she would scramble to try to find any verse that she could, and I just got done doing Bible quizzing, so I had several hundred verses memorized, locked and loaded, ready to go, and uh, I didn't even have my Bible on me. I was like, "Go, pull it up, pull it up in your Bible. Let's go, let's go, let's go." And that, of course, you know, arrogance comes with youth. But finally, it came down to this: Okay, I want to be right. Do you want to be right? I said, "I want to know what the truth is. Do you want to know what the truth is?" Yes, I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. You're going to go home. you got a preacher for a dad. i got a pothead for a dad. 
I said, you're going to go home and you're going to get a hold of your dad. Any books he has, you're going to go on, on you're going to go and research. You're going to write up what you really mean when you say there's a trinity. What you really believe. And I said, I'll write up what I really mean and what I really believe. And uh, she came back next week with a stack that big. I thought, I'm in trouble. I am in trouble. I, I'm not that studious. I thought, oh, no. Man, maybe there's more out there than I thought. And uh, then I'm, I realized, wow, there's, there's a lot of uh, WWs at the bottom and a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, HTML. There's a lot of code and a lot of different things right now letting you know this is a website. I realized... You just went online and printed off a bunch of stuff. And so I, I looked at her at the stack. I said, and I have my paper, you know, written out. Uh, in fact, one time, see, you, gotta, you just got to go and be bold for God. They let us write an essay in high school uh, for our final project on whatever we wanted. I wrote about the oneness of God and baptism in Jesus' name. So, and, and you know, you just got to live bold. Live for God. The truth will defend itself. And, uh, and so I had this, I was also able to use this thing I wrote for this person for my final project as well. So, but I wrote this 18-page this paper, and I brought it back and said, here you go. And then she handed me this thick stack and said, before I read any of this, I got a question. Did you read this? She said, no. I said, I wrote that. I was like, you won't even read what you believe. So why would you believe it? And so what I realized from that moment is that there's a lot of people that when you talk with them, and a lot of Bible studies I did, I would talk, they'd nod their head in agreement because we'd read the same verse, but they would understand it a totally different way. And they would, they would read it from their charismatic, Trinitarian uh, perspective. And this is not to bash anybody. If you come from that background, hey, such were some of us. But, but in this, I started realizing there's people that when you say it, they don't really know what you're saying. Um, you say, we believe in one God, and they'll go, we do too. No, you don't. If you really knew what you taught and what you believed and what they historically believed, you do not believe in one God. And so I want to go into this for a minute and talk about what we really mean. And, uh, and so we know that there is one God. There is only one God. This doctrine is central to the Bible message for both the Old Testament and the New Testament. It is taught and preached uh, plainly and emphatically. They'll tell you as Trinitarians, it's just hard to comprehend. And, you know, we'll just never truly know. And, and, and it's a mystery. And, and ultimately, the Bible says this is simplicity, simplicity of Christ. And so, and, and despite the simplicity of this message and the clarity wherewith the Bible represents it, uh, many who believe in the existence of God have not understood it because it does, as Brother Reyes said, take a revelation. Even within Christendom, many people, including uh, doctorate-holding theologians, have not comprehended the essentiality of this message. They've got more, more degrees than a thermometer, but they, they can't simply read the context of a verse, and it, it just boggles my mind. The belief in only one God is called monotheism comes from two Greek words, monos, meaning alone, single, one, and theos, meaning God. So, simply, one God. That's all you can translate that to. That's all that means. You can't take it any other way. Anybody who does not accept monotheism can be classified as one of the following. You can be classified as an atheist, which is somebody who denies the existence of God or any deity altogether. You can be considered an agnostic, 
one who asserts the existence of God, um, who asserts that the existence of God is unknown and is most likely unknowable. So they're not certain. They're kind of in between. Uh, some people live for God that way. That's why if you really knew God was alive, you'd start praying a little more. But uh, don't be an apostolic uh, agnostic. Hallelujah. Um, that you can be classified as a pantheist, one who equates God with nature uh, or the forces of the universe. Many, many uh, nations and uh, many tribal people and, and most people originally would do this. They'd look to the sun, the moon, the stars, and, and they would deify it. They'd make something that is seen a God. Uh, you can be classified as a polytheist, one who believes in more than one God. You could be classified as a detheist, one who believes in two gods. This is also a form of polytheism. Or you can be classified as a tritheist, one who believes in three gods, but this is also a form of polytheism or the belief in multiple gods. So those are the categories right there. You either believe in one God, no God, maybe God, or a lot of gods. There's no in-between. Amen. I just, I just made that down where some of us live. Hallelujah. Among the major religions of the world, three are classified as being ultimately monotheistic. Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. However, even within the label of Christianity, there are many views of the Godhead. And Godhead simply means, it means God's divine nature. One view is called Trinitarianism. And it asserts that there are three distinct persons in the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. That is interchangeable. But they still claim that there is one God. And so, and we'll get into this a little more in a minute, what they mean when they say persons. Uh, but even within the ranks of Trinitarianism, there are uh, two ideologies that stand out. Some Trinitarians emphasize the unity of God without having a carefully developed understanding of what they mean when they say that there's three distinct persons. That word persons, according to them, means personalities, wills, or beings. So they're not having a full concept when they say there's three separate persons. They're saying there are three separate beings in the Godhead. Uh, on the other hand, there are other Trinitarians. Uh, usually these are those that are a little more educated and really know what they're saying when they, when they, when they claim this. Uh, they are emphasizing the threeness of the Trinity to, point, uh, to the point where they believe that there are three self-conscious beings and their views are essentially tritheistic. They believe in three gods. No matter how they call it, claim it, they believe in three gods. Okay. There is also another belief, uh, and I don't have time to get into this too much today. I hope I'm not boring anybody, uh, but we're going to go. I promise. We're going to talk, and I'll go through Bible. We'll go through verses, but I think we need a little bit deeper of an understanding to really, to really understand how crazy this theology is. We can go into history and talk about when the creation of the word Trinity was, when the creation of the actual ideology of the Trinity was, uh, but we, won't, we don't have time for that right now, but... The belief, there's another belief, and it's called binary, I can't pronounce it properly, binary, there's two. That is the distinct that there are two separate persons, but they deny the Holy Ghost uh, as a separate person. This also is not monotheism. 
because none of these beliefs support the biblical doctrine that there is one God. In other words, one group doesn't really know what they mean when they call themselves Trinitarian, and the other group doesn't realize that they are, treat, they are teaching tritheism or the fact that there is three deities and they are straying far away from monotheism. And let me just tell you here today, unless you are wondering what, me, what we mean by this, we are not a Trinitarian church. Let me clear the air. We are not a Trinitarian church. If you've been coming here for a long time and you're confused, Oh, you know, when we, say, when we say the Holy Ghost, you think we're talking about a third person, you're wrong. We don't mean that. We believe in one God. We are not. We need to put a difference out there. People need to know there is a difference between this church and the Baptist, the Charismatic, the Assembly of God. They don't believe in one God. Okay? They don't believe what the Jews believed for thousands of years, still believe today, um, but we do. And so... So, we are not a Trinitarian church. True monotheists believe in one God, but further believes that the fullness of the Godhead or, or the nature of God is manifested in Jesus Christ. The Bible talks about that the Godhead should dwell in him fully, the fullness of the Godhead. Uh, they believe, or we believe, I could put it this way, when the Bible says Father, Son, or Holy Ghost, it is not referring to a different, it is, re, it is referring to different manifestations of the one true living God. These are different manifestations, modes, offices, or relationships that this one God has displayed to man. This belief holds to the indivisible oneness of of God because we are a oneness church. Amen. We are a oneness church. They used to call us Jesus only. And I, I'll tell you right now, we Jesus everything. We, we're not just Jesus only. We're Jesus in the morning, noontime, nighttime. We, we're Jesus when we're broke, when we're rich. We're Jesus everything. And so I used to try to use that as a derogatory term. Derogatory term. Uh, and the reason they used to call us derogatory names because they actually knew what we believed. But I'm afraid we don't, we, don't, we don't have enough people out there teaching Bible studies where they really know what we believe. We need to get out there, folks. Amen. There's only one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We need to let everybody know. Amen. If they're straight off in some false theology that came out of the Catholic Church, we need to let them know. Now, I'll get into this when we start talking about evangelism. Uh, do not, do not give a bad witness. We'll get into that in a don't debate people. Don't get in fights with people. Uh, don't, don't, you know what church they go to. Well, we don't believe like that. And just go after them. Love people first. We, we can talk about that another time. Okay, so we are monotheists. We believe in one God. We are a oneness church. We are not a Trinitarian church. Um, and we will never be a Trinitarian church because it's not in the Bible. Amen. So, what I want to talk about now, and I'm going to break down some things. We don't have time here today to go through everything, but I want to hopefully bring some light to some confusion that some people have had through the years, including those that have been led astray into false doctrine known as Trinitarianism. Uh, I want to pull up a couple of verses. Brother Johnson, please pull up jo uh, Genesis 1:24. I want to talk about what, in this, I want to talk about what does the Old Testament say and what does the Old Testament mean? 
start saying some of these things because some people, again, will read a verse and a Trinitarian will go, yeah, that, that, that's a verse that I believe in too. And then you actually like explain it to them. And they're like, I don't believe that. So the Bible says, and God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beast after, of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind and the cattle after their kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Okay, this is where people get off. They, they will look at this verse and say, let us, and they'll see our. Okay, and we're going to get to this in a minute. Let's keep reading. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female, he created created he them. Now there are Trinitarians and others that would say this is God speaking to another part of the Trinity. So they would say this is the Father speaking to the Son and Son speaking to the Holy Ghost. And they're having a powwow and chips and dip or whatever they're doing. Uh, the problem is they are missing context. And interpretation of Scripture, you need to you need to look at context. Uh, there, there's many. We'll get into hermeneutics another time. Uh, the law of first usage, multiple usage, and context. Don't cherry pick one verse and say, see, that's what I believe. Okay? Because if I were to do that, I'd say, uh, Brother Jonathan, don't ever wear shoes again. Oh, yeah, it's in the Bible. Did you know that? Yeah. Make, take off your shoes, Moses. The place you stand is holy ground. Yeah, don't ever wear shoes again, folks. I cherry pick one verse. Why can't I do that to every other verse? Because you can create any doctrine of devil you want by not reading context. Amen. So we don't do that, though. We look at context. We look at first usage, multiple usage. We go through this because we really believe in studying the Bible. We do believe in reading the Bible. We look at uh, look at this. Nobody nobody sat me down and said, all right, let's read through the Bible together, and I'll explain every verse. Uh, I'll tell you what I did. I just got I, – I, the first thing I did was I, I threw out my TV, and I stopped watching all that mess. Mm-hmm. I got rid of Hollywood movies, and I grabbed me a Bible. I, I got rid of all that other stuff that I could watch. I grabbed some preaching tapes, because we had tapes back then, and I play them all day while mom and dad were fighting, doing drugs, and drinking. Hey, you can, you can live for God in whatever environment you're in. You really can. And so, so I, I, I took this, I started reading the Bible, I started reading into context, and you don't have to look far in the Bible to see what the context is of this. Uh, first things first, don't argue, or you really shouldn't argue, a book written in ancient Hebrew, Greek, or Aramaic with modern English understanding. I've met a lot of people that try to do this, and they just ultimately uh, look unintelligent, and they lose most credibility in my book. They, they go, well, see see the word our and us. It's, it's there, right there, and they're reading an English Bible. Uh, but if you were to go through and look at this, it's actually, it's, it's actually not saying that. But let me go back to my previous point. If you were to read the context, you would see that every time God brought forth life, he would speak to its source. So he'd speak to the waters, fish, waters above, speak, and the, the birds would come, the ground and creeping thing and all those things. So he was speaking to its source. So when God spoke to himself, let us, what was he doing? He was, he was connecting man to their source. In context, you would read it, and you wouldn't read it as there's a multiplicity. You would read it saying, God was saying, okay, this is where your power comes from. And it makes it a lot more powerful when you read the Bible in context because you realize, 
wow, that's where we, that's our source. That's really where we start. That's where we come from. Before God ever touched the earth, he spoke to himself when he created us. That ought to make somebody shout. Amen. But you, you got to look at the original. Now, I understand not everybody uh, knows Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic. I don't personally. Uh, but, you know, in modern days, you have something known as a cell phone. Now, you can't believe everything you read online, but there's great apps. You know, you can find something that's free. It's called Pocket Sword. And you can hop on there, and you can look at the strongest concordance numbers and look at what any word means. And you'll start to see that not every word has a number related to it. So the, what that lets you know is these are filler words that they added to help people understand it. So Trinitarians would use this verse and say, well, hold on. When it says God, the word is Elohim. And, and they would say this, see, the word Elohim is the plural word for supreme or mighty God. And they say, see, it's talking about multiples. The problem with this is not a multiple of number. It's not plural in number. It's plural in majesty. It, a correct modern English translation would read, the all-powerful God said. So it's talking about all his power, all his deity, all his Godhead, all his majesty. So when it says God said, it's not saying the gods said, because that's how some people would read it. They would read it saying the multiple God said. No Jew in history has ever read it that way or would say it that way, and it's in their language. And somebody wants to come by a couple thousand years later and say, well, that's what it means. Unfortunately, that's not why it was written, how it was written, or how it would be read in any time uh, or period. Uh, you, you can read this later in context because God later tells Moses, I will make you Elohim or a God in the eyes of Pharaoh. Does this mean, according to the Trinitarian's theology, this means that Moses is now part of the Godhead. There's now a fourth, there's now a fourth guy. Uh, but unfortunately, this again would be out of context. The correct translation would be, I will make you mighty or all-powerful before Pharaoh, or in the eyes of the polytheistic Pharaoh, you will look like a god. Okay, you read it in context, it makes a, hot, a lot more sense. But we got to do it consecutively. We can't cherry pick or choose. We've got to look at it and say, that's what it's saying. Uh, okay, how about the other verse? When it says, let us make, okay? The original Hebrew is one word. It's asah, which means bring forth, advance, become. This is how it would read if we were to take out filler words. God answered, become a man in resemblance or image and in manner or similitude. So what he said, when God said, he literally uses one word. He doesn't say, God said, let us. That's not in the original. It literally translates. You look it up for yourself. God said, become. I could preach about that all day. God said, become. Become a man. I preach to the men. Hallelujah. In resemblance or image, in similitude or manner. Okay, let's go forward. Brother, why don't you pull up uh, Genesis 18.3. Okay, I'm just pulling up a few. I've cherry-picked a few. Uh, con, uh, context verses that people have used through all of my Bible studies to say, well, see, that's what it's talking about. I've talked with, uh, I was 16 years old, and I'll tell this story probably a million times. I, I was just zealous. I really wanted to do something for God. And I thought, man, why convert one? Let's convert churches. Now, I still believe in that. I still think we can do it. So I thought, man, I'll just go. I felt really convicted to go by this Trinitarian Assembly of God church. And I walked in, and, and you know, I showed up, and there was a couple old ladies had had the big old bun. You know, they were still trying to have some resemblance. Uh, uh, 
and then there was, then they, they, you know, they had the skirt, but they had these earrings on it, makeup everywhere, and, and, and they were all, you had the little, little cut here, you know, they were just looking like, you know, they just, 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 they were almost, but they were just, they, you could tell time had gone forth, but then you see the next generation, they, they got tattooed, they don't look like nothing, it's just gone all the way down, well, I sat in front of the pastor, just started debating him, uh, don't do that, I would not suggest that, please don't, you, you might give us a bad witness, but, but I found these verses are the ones they always gravitate towards. Because I go, okay, if God is one, we know the Bible says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We also know, 1 Corinthians 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. One of them's lying, if there's two or three, okay? One of them's got to be lying. Unless God was a trinity in the Old Testament, that means he'd be one in the New Testament. And vice versa. If God was one in the Old Testament, which we see, we see, we see, God would be one in the New Testament. So I've seen these verses pull up. Genesis 18, verses 1 through 3. And I promise we're, we're, we're going a little, we're going to get to a lot more of this in the future. The Bible says, And the Lord appeared unto him, speaking of Abraham, in the plains of Mamre. And Abraham, or he, sat in the tent of the door in the heat of the day. And Abraham, or he, lifted up his eyes and looked. And, and lo, three men stood by him, Abraham. And when he, Abraham, saw them, he, Abraham, ran to meet them. It gets confusing when you start saying he. You start trying to figure out who it is. Uh, from the tent door and bowed himself, speaking of Abraham, toward the ground and said, My Lord, uh, which, which, is, which is Yahweh, Jehovah. It's, it's speaking of the one true God. Uh, my Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Uh, what we're seeing here is what's known as a theophany. That is a visible manifestation of God to man. That's not a permanent. That's a temporary. And I'll preach about that another day. Uh, but, but what I've seen is people take this and say, see, three. Three men showed up. And they'll say that, and they'll look at it, and they'll go, see, there's three. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. First off, not even theologians will say that. They tell you in seminary, if you're going to Trinitarian seminary, don't ever go to that verse. Because you will get destroyed. Um, <laughs> talked to a few friends in, in seminary. Um, but what is this saying? Is this saying that there's three? That, that this this theophany was a trifle uh, God? Let's go and let's get a little more context. Let's figure the rest of this out. Genesis 18 and 22. And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. So somebody left and somebody stayed. Okay? So, so either there's now two, and it's just the father and the son, and one of the angels pieced out. Okay? We've got to look at this through context. All right? Abraham stayed with the Lord, so who's left over? Is the other two the Trinity there, uh, uh, or, or what's going on? Okay, let's go forward to Genesis 18.33 and 19 and 1. And the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing with Abraham, and Abraham returned unto his place, and this is what it tells you where those men went and who those men were. And there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face towards the ground. Uh, they, the, the Trinitarians don't want to use their own logic to talk, <laughs> to talk about some of these things, but, but you see there's three that show up, one stays with Abraham, and two show up at Sodom and Gomorrah. What does that let us know? There's one God. So what do we mean when we use this verse? There's not three. It's not Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. There's one God. He had two angels. You know why? Because there's always two witnesses. 
There's two witnesses to Sodom. There's two witnesses all the way through the Old Testament. There will be two witnesses in the book of Revelations. Hallelujah. And so they showed up as a witness to Sodom and Gomorrah. Amen. But the Trinitarians don't want to use their own logic when we pull up one of our verses that we like to use all the time. Go to Daniel chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, or astonished, and rose up in haste and spake and said to his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lord. Or he said, he said I'm sorry. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth man is like unto the Son of God. When even a pagan can realize there's only a fourth man in the fire. When you're in trouble and only one God shows up, even a pagan can realize that's not another man. That's got to be God. Amen. Let's move forward, and we'll get through this uh, rather quickly. I hope this is helping somebody. Uh, like I said, we could go verse by verse by verse. We've got too many uh, to go through. But when we read stuff like this, we don't see the number three and immediately think Father, Son, Holy Ghost. We don't think that. We don't think three separate persons. We don't think Trinity. You know why? Because we're looking at the context. Amen. But what does the New Testament say or mean when you look at verses? Matthew 28, 18 through 19. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, just a little, just one third, just a part, no, all. All power is given unto me both in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Oh, see, we got them. We got those oneness people. We got them cornered with our one verse. We see it right there. This is the staple verse. You ever ask them, show me a verse in the Bible that shows there's a trinity? Right there. Yeah. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. They, three, they see three words and immediately start tripping. They're going to start seeing three everywhere. They're just going to start tripping. They're going to see trinities everywhere. Um, they're going to go and get, you know, a burger, fries, and a shake and see a trinity. <laughs> they're going to lose their minds. But they see this. This is the only verse that you see three titles together. Now, let me guess a little odd. This is a doctrine. Only have one verse in the entire Bible. You, you don't think God would have like, hey, there's going to be a little confusion in the next few thousand years. I'm all knowing. Maybe I should like help them out. Uh, yeah, they're going to get a little confused. No, because if you read this in context, you shouldn't be confused. Matthew 28, 19 uh, is, is, is got to be read under the context of verse 18. When Jesus said, all power. And then what does he do? In the same context says, you're going to go in this power. I have all power, and I'm giving you power. And you're going to take this power, just like in Acts 1 and 8, and you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you'll be witnesses. When you receive power, it's to be a witness. And he says, I've got all power, not a little bit, not a third, not a piece. And he sends them out in this power and says, go baptize them in the name. And in the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what we mean when we say the Father, the Son, or the Holy Ghost. But the name, even in the original, singular, it's not talking about names. And not to mention, Father's not a name, it's a title. And we know that, that Jesus, we, we don't have any debate here. Jesus is the Son. John 10, 30, I and my Father one. Jesus is the Father. There you go. And then you continue on. And he said that, that the Holy Ghost shall come in my name. What name? The name of Jesus. Okay, so 
We've already declared that. We could go into that. We'll go into that a lot further in the future. Um, but right there, you just got to read the context and realize that it's not just dividing it out in three different people. Okay, 1 John 5, 6 through 8. Here's another one. Hope I'm not boring anybody here today. Teaching, we got we to gotta slow down and, and go through it. I promise. We'll, we'll shout a little bit later. Hallelujah. First uh, John 5 and 6. And this one, if you've ever read this verse, it probably confused the daylights out of you at first. But let's slow down and read it. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. Okay? What do we see? Blood, water, spirit. We start talking about salvation. We're going to talk about that a lot. Blood, water, spirit. What, do you t- what does it take to be saved? Blood, water, spirit. Um, but you see, the, the context here immediately is talking about bearing witness, bearing record. Um, it, it, is, it is aligning with Old Testament. We'll talk about that here in a minute. And then it continues on. For there are three, again, tripping out. You see the word three. Three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. Ah, we got them again. Those oneness people, they're going down. There's three, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. We got them. They're going down. Okay, hold on. And these three are one. Oh, man, that's going to be a hard one to get through. That's going to be a hard one for the Trinitarians to get through. And there are three that bear witness in the earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. These three agree in one. The context here is bearing record or witness or testimony. In biblical times, there had to be two or three testimonies for judgment to pass. It does not mean that there are three persons. First off, it never said that. It said that there's three records There's three witness testimonies, not witnesses like we would say, three different people, three testimonies. And and, and it's saying that that this is saying that there are three testimonies, records, not three individuals. The Father is referring to God's testimony over creation. The Word is referring to God's testimony over mankind. And the Holy Ghost is referring to God's testimony over the church. And all of these are one testimony. In other words, we see that this is referring to the law of creation, the law of morality, and the law of spirituality. That's how we that's how we know judgment comes. That's how we know it's right. We know that because the Bible says, doth not nature itself teach you. The very first basis that people should realize uh, the truth of God is nature. Men are men. Women are women. That's truth. And the first place we see that is in nature. Then God gives his word. That's where we get the moral law, the moral code, the Ten Commandments. It is a moral law towards mankind. Even men set up moral laws. And they'll say, uh, if you kill, you go to jail for life. And those, those right there are another testimony, another witness. And then finally, the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit is given in the regeneration of the born-again believer. And it is a witness. The Bible says it's the spirit of truth. And it is given not to the unbeliever until they've repented, been baptized, and then they become a believer. It is the testimony of the church. And so the Bible says these three are one. And so these testimonies equate to one perfect witness of truth. 
nature, morality, and then, of course, uh, spirituality. They prove the truth that our God is one. It is not saying that there are three parts to God. Nowhere in the context do you see that. Um, we know this because next it speaks of blood, water, and spirit agreeing in one. There is no Trinitarian that declares that the blood, water, and spirit are three separate persons. It even says that Jesus came by blood and water, and we know on Calvary he gave up his spirit. And it all came from Jesus. These three testimonies equal our salvation. These three records equal our salvation. What are these three, the three things? Blood, water, and spirit. You have repentance, water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Blood, water, spirit. All the way through the Bible. Okay, let's move on. Uh, I just got a few more minutes. Hallelujah. Philemon 1 and 3. We don't give Philemon enough attention. He's a pretty cool guy. He says this. I'm just throwing out a, a bunch of things. A Trinitarian would read that verse and not read it in context. I just read it to you in context. The same thing would happen. These kind of verses will trip people up and they'll read it out of context. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, let's move past the Trinitarians because we go, go to those that believe there's two. <laughs> See? God our Father and. See, there's two. Okay? The problem with this is this phrase is used over and over and over and over again in the epistles, and it's typically used at the beginning of the epistle or the very ending of the epistle. It's like saying, hi, God bless. Okay, that's kind of what it's saying, and people are pulling theology off of a greeting. Uh, don't, get your, don't get your theology from greeting cards or fortune cookies, so amen. But in, in modern English, we would read this word and, and what we would think immediately is it being a list, a separation, or referring to multiples. Unfortunately, the Bible, contrary to South America or so Southern Americans, uh, uh, the Bible was not written in English. The original language doesn't do that. It doesn't. It doesn't put it that way. The Greek word is chi, and it typically means even. Often used in connection or composition of two thoughts. This would read a lot differently if you were to read it in its proper context. It would read like this: Peace from God our Father, even. The Jesus Christ. Oh, that that makes that makes it a whole lot different. When you start reading those, I'll never forget. I was I was 22, 20, 19, 20, something like that, and I, I saw this and it confused me. And so I had to go through. You, that's why you got to seek out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You got to go and read the Bible and get. And that's why we don't just go surface level Bible study. You got to go down. You got to dig. You got to dig because you will get tripped up by every wind of doctrine if you don't know the doctrine. You know what? I think I think we'll get into this in the future. Uh, why don't we stand? When we get into the future, uh, probably in the next few weeks, myself, a few others, uh, uh, we're going to talk about what what do we mean when we say Father? What do we mean when we say Son? What do we mean when we say uh, Holy Ghost? Uh, not to mention, we're going to get into the fact of this whole ideology of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, which is not in the Bible. Putting God before each of them is a totally different context. Saying Son of God is a lot different than saying God the Son. Totally different. One's in the Bible, one's not. But we'll get to that in the future. Um, but I want to take this, and I hope this helps, because many people read the Bible, but they 
they don't really they don't really take the context. They don't always understand it. And here's the deal. You don't need a heavy education to understand the Bible. You don't. I was a 13-year-old boy, and I thought I was reading Shakespeare. <laughs> I was, like, ready, ready for, ready to get to Ju Romeo and Juliet. You know, the closest I got was Song of Solomon. <laughs> but, you know, some of you young men said amen. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but, but you read this. You don't have to have a lot. You just read it. It'll open itself up, and God will give you revelation. Let's lift up our hands and let's pray. Let's thank him that our God is one. Because God's one, he can redeem the whole man. Because when God's one, he's not divided in his love for me. And I don't have to be divided in my love for him. Because God's one, I know who I worship. I know what I worship. And I know who my worship is due. Somebody pray. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I thank you for the revelation that there's only one God. It's the greatest revelation given to a mortal. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody worship him. Thank you, Jesus. God, we don't say this to bash anybody. But God, we say this and in hopes you would bring somebody to the knowledge of the truth that there's only one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, demons tremble at the fact there's only one God. It scares them, it scares them out of their mind to know there's only one God because they know that one God's going to come and judge them but save us. Let me speak real, just for a moment. I know this is adult class. But let me speak to some young people. I'll never forget at 19, 20, 21. Don't be so hard on young people. Let me just say that. There's a lot of things happening in your mind. A lot of confusion. A lot of things pulling at you. And I remember being, being I'm talking, I was a young preacher. Like, I want to do something for God. But I'll never forget, every verse I ever learned, remember, I started twisting. I started twisting my brain. And I was this close to walking out of church. Not because I didn't love God. Hey, we got to get that out of our mind. People that leave church doesn't mean they don't love God. It just means that they're confused. And I was getting ready to walk out because I thought, man, maybe we're wrong. Maybe, maybe we're wrong. And I started thinking, all these verses I've learned are, are wrong. But you know the one thing that kept me? I couldn't go off to some other denominal church. I'll tell you what kept a young man. I couldn't get rid of a revelation knowing there's one God. No matter how hard I tried, I tried to say, no, no, there's God. And I couldn't. I couldn't find it in the Old Testament. Couldn't find it in the New Testament. I couldn't even find it in all the extra books the Catholics have. I'm just telling you, there's only one God. And if you don't, if you don't get any other revelation, you got to get that one. you got to get that one. Because when you get that one, it'll keep you. When you get that one, it'll save you. Lift up your hands one more time. Let's pray. Come on, let's pray. I pray that, God, you'd give a revelation of, of, your, of your true nature, that all the godness dwelleth in you bodily. Oh, God, hallelujah, hallelujah, your divine nature and Godhead, so that we are without excuse. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. We're going to take the next few moments. If you need to get a drink of water, feel free to go do that. Um, we're going to have
have prayer in here. Please don't disturb anybody. If you want to talk, um, go out the door and down the hall just a little bit uh, so as not to disturb anybody. And if the classrooms are still going for Sunday school, don't mess with them either. Uh, but 